It's the Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by ANZ Home Loans for financial well-beings. And welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Breakfast for 2023, available of course every morning on iHeartRadio, Spotify and Apple, and wherever you get your podcast from. Our weekend continues on May the 7th for 2023, as we talk real estate around the country, and we had another busy week, which included another rate rise, unfortunately, for 25 basis points on mortgages. And in just a moment, we are going to reflect back and look back over the last seven days of real estate, including talking to Nicola Powell, the senior research analyst from Domain, about the March 2023 quarter for Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane. And we asked whether or not there is signs of a recovery. Catherine Skinner, your local property Adelaide buyer, we spoke to this week about the current Adelaide market and how to build a property portfolio. We spoke with Will Johnson, who is the Managing Director of Heron Todd White in the Northern Territory, and talked about the attractiveness of the NT for first home buyers and job opportunities. Opportunities. Helen Hemery was in from Perth to talk about her suburb that is performing pretty well. And Arjun Paliwell, the head of research from Investigate Buyers Agency, he weighs up in Sydney what is best long term when buying a house or a unit. So that is all coming up with our seven days of real estate. If you're celebrating your birthday today for the 7th of May, happy birthday to you. Sharing your birthday with Eagle Eye Cherry, the Swedish musician. He's turning 53. And Tim Roth, the actor from Reservoir Dogs film and also Pulp Fiction, is turning 62 today. And I see that it was on this day back in 2002. Former Australian Olympian Kathy Freeman carried the Queen's baton on the final stage of its journey to the Commonwealth Games in Manchester, England. You might remember that. Hey, if you've got a great real estate piece of information, we'd love to hear about it. It might be about a friend, a relative, a workmate, whatever it is, you can email us at myrealestatepodcast at gmail.com. While we can't predict the future of the real estate market, we can provide insights on what's currently trending. With over 450 episodes designed for the astute property buyer, it's powerful information at your fingertips. It's the main centre forecast. Let's check on the weather on our Sunday morning. And first we go to Sydney, expecting some showers today. The temperature down to 18 degrees, even colder in Melbourne. And also expecting some showers with just 13 as your high. Brisbane, it should be mainly fine. A little bit of cloud cover with 27. And in Perth, expecting a chance of some rain today with your top of 20. 24 degrees. Whether you're a seasoned investor or a first-time buyer, know your property with us on The Real Estate Podcast. Enjoy your morning coffee. It's your real estate weekend podcast in review. Has the Sydney property market reached the end of the steepest downturn it's ever seen? 
The current data really does suggest that it has. Um, I think what we're likely to see, though, is we might see moderate growth, maybe a bit of sideways movement in in pricing overall for the Sydney housing market in the coming quarters. But when you have a look and you drill down into different areas of the Sydney property market, we tend to find that premium areas do lead price cycles. So what that basically means is they tend to see uh, deeper declines during a downturn, but they also see bigger upswings uh, when they are growing and they lead. So we tend to see those changes in market dynamics occur in those premium areas first. And what we've got is those premium areas of Sydney, which is eastern suburbs, city and inner south as some examples, were seeing a price recovery even late last year. And they're still improving over the first quarter of this year. So I think it really suggests that we have likely passed the bottom of the Sydney uh, downturn. Mm, Okay, let's turn our attention now to Melbourne. Are house prices currently at or close to the bottom of the price cycle there? We're seeing what I would describe as much more stable conditions across Melbourne's housing market. We saw house prices nudge ever so slightly lower over the first three months of the year, but really it was marginal. Um, And what we've seen really over the last six months in the Melbourne housing market is much more stabilised. Flatlined pricing is how I would describe it. And I think this provides much more balanced conditions uh, between buyers and sellers. So I think there are good opportunities depending upon which areas Um, and whether you're a buyer or a seller. So, you know, that's house prices in the inner east and Mornington Peninsula, which have actually grown over the first three months of the year. So it does suggest that Melbourne overall is coming close to the bottom of its price cycle. All right. Well, let's go to Queensland and have a look at the stability there. Have the prices stabilised in Brisbane over the last quarter? Absolutely. And and if I was going to pick any capital city, it would be Brisbane in terms of seeing the biggest shift in market conditions, because we were seeing some deep declines in pricing late last year. And we'd really seen those declines accelerate um, as 2022 unfolded. We've seen a more stabilised environment. House prices more or less flatlined over the March quarter. It actually provided the best outcome since mid of last year. It really um, does showcase that we are seeing overall more balanced conditions coming out now of Brisbane. Um, And even Brisbane unit prices remain much more resilient compared to some of the other capital cities. They also stabilised over the March quarter. It was a very marginal loss, but that loss is three times slower compared to what we were seeing late last year. It's your Real Estate Weekend podcast in review. Now, aspiring property investors, uh, they're keen to build a portfolio, but what are the essential factors, do you think, for ensuring success in doing that? Yeah, so look, there are a few different strategies that investors can employ, but when we see a first-time investor come looking to build a successful portfolio, we always run through with them the fundamentals which safeguard them from getting stuck at that first or second property. You know, these include ensuring you're buying into a high-growth location, which will continue to support capital growth year on year. 
factoring in cash flow elements, um, while unlikely to purchase a cash flow property up front in the current market, ensuring it does provide your four to four and a half percent rental yield really protects you from the significant changes to your personal cash flow. And then lastly, having an opportunity that allows some value add opportunity, whether it's right now through improvements or into the future with subdivision or later on improvements as it's needed, you know, these type of options protect you from getting stuck at that one property and continue to grow that portfolio. Yeah, the the vision, of course, around property portfolios have got to be there. It's a bit of a bit of a mindset. Do you think that that's the the case? You know, some people just don't have that mindset. They've got to click into it. One hundred percent. And I think people ensuring that they understand property is a long game to really reap the long term wealth rewards that are achievable through investments in the real estate market. You need to be in it for your eight to ten year plus mark. A lot of people like to see immediate returns, so they'll look for something where it is higher than usual cash flow, but you're not going to get that capital growth element as well. So you are making that sacrifice, and they're generally the people that tend to sell soon because they think their investment's not performing when. In reality, they just had the wrong strategy up front. And what opportunities exist within the Adelaide market to support an effective investment strategy? Obviously, compared to a lot of your other um, capital cities, we're still sitting at a very affordable market rate. So we have clients that come anywhere from your 800,000 all the way down to 400,000. So we can buy for a range of budgets. And within all of those different price points, you know, in terms of your cash flow, even on your higher end properties, three and a half percent is exceptional compared to what your eastern states can provide. So you can still get a really good size block, a really solid at home, good quality tenants, high growth location and your strong rental yield across the board. It's your Real Estate Weekend podcast in review. Yeah, we're, we're certainly seeing a lot of younger graduates coming to the NT, teachers, nurses, uh, young professionals, builders, um, looking to get out of Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane and chase the work which is on offer in the NT, chase a different lifestyle. But certainly the affordability piece is, is, a, is a big factor to move to the NT. You can you know, live close to the beach or, or have that lifestyle and, and still you know, live in something which you can afford and, and get started really. Oh, for sure. Yes. And there'll be a lot of people thinking, right, is this a potential move? I mean, the market with that median house price is great. Uh, What about the investors? Because there's quite a lot of uh, projects going on up there at the moment. You look at the defence and what's going on there. So that has to be a bit of an attraction factor. Most definitely, um, you know, we've Darwin has has traditionally been a, a counter cyclical market to the east coast, and and investors you know really come to Darwin on the back of projects which are going on. So, um, you know, we have a huge the defence strategic review paper has just come out, and we've we've seen um, you know a, a very large investment from the Commonwealth government in defence through the army bases and through uh, through the RAF, uh, especially down at Tyndall. Um, we, we've seen U.S. Marines on rotation on the back of a cities deal which came through from the Commonwealth. We've got the Charles Darwin University has a brand new campus under construction in the Darwin CBD. So there's and you know, onshore gas and um, and you know the gas which is being exported, LNG gas being exported out to predominantly Japan through the Impex project. Um, you know there there are really you know multiple stories on the work front as to why you can you know get a job in the NT and and certainly you know there's there's a skilled shortage across the country and we're certainly seeing that in the NT. Certainly on the back 
of COVID where a flexible work arrangement is is, is possible. Uh, we're seeing people making the choice to, to live and work remotely and, and Darwin particularly has been a, a big winner out of that. Boy, the NT. I mean, the NT's waited a long time for this sort of positivity. And now we talked about first home buyers. They're able to secure a home, 800 square metres, 550k. Then you look at newer locations. And I think the suburb is Zicoli, where first home buyers, the builders are, are getting in there a three bedroom brand new for under 600k. Yeah, that's correct. So Zicoli is a um, is a section of the satellite city of Palmston. So we've seen a lot of the house and land packages move in that the growth corridor out in the southeastern corner um, away from the CBD. But there's also options. So, you know, if you're looking for the detached housing, which is more suited to families, that has been very popular. If you're a younger first homeowner and you want to live a bit closer to the action, uh, you know, around the, the Darwin CBD or whether you're out at the Nightcliffe and, and Rapid Creek foreshore, uh, the unit market is very popular for first homeowners too. So there are options depending on you know which stage of your life you're at. We deliver the most property podcasts across Australia every week. But different areas are running at different speeds. So what's been going on with the people that you're talking about with them, you know, trying to either A, arrange their mortgages and upgrade into the area or maybe downscale? So I deal with all sorts of people. I'll deal with people who are downsizing. I'll deal with people who are just trying to get a foothold in the suburb. And probably my bread and butter is uh, more established families who are buying their second or third home. So what I've found this year is that my days on market, so the days it takes to sell a property are slightly longer than they've been. Um, I think the average days on market in Floriad, it's still only 13 days, <laughs> but mm. I was selling a lot of homes last year um, where I had buyers wanting to make offers before they'd even seen the property. So it was utter chaos. That has all left the market. And what I'm finding now is that buyers are a lot more cautious. And I suppose because there's been quite a bit of uncertainty in the market, People are worried that they're going to be paying too much. So everyone has kind of stepped back a little bit, been a little bit more cautious and just a little bit more reluctant to put pen to paper. Mm. All right. Well, that certainly gives us a bit of a flavour for Floriot. And how's it looking for you for the next uh, two or three months? Yeah, I've got a nice, steady um, stream of business, which is fantastic. I feel like while it has, as I say, it's still risen marginally since January. So we've kind of had a percentage point growth month on month. We're coming into winter, so it's likely to slow down a little bit. But I'm expecting the market to become very busy again come mid-August and beyond. And I think we will see further price growth, particularly if we don't have any more interest rate rises. Know your property with us on The Real Estate Podcast. When it comes to the future, many often look to the past. What does the past say about data for houses versus units in the Sydney market? Well, the past shows a very, very clear picture. And what I'm going to give is a 30-year picture because 
we have all have different measurements of what's long-term, 5, 10, 15, 20. But if we're buying, say, a property in our 30s, whether it be the first or subsequent, and we're aiming for retirement age, then the 30 is the sweet spot, even in our 40s. So that 30-year milestone is probably one of the more important milestones in terms of real estate investing. And the, the data is clear. It shows over 500% in gains as per core logic for houses over that 30-year period, where it's over 340% for units. So that's a vast difference in outperformance, which clearly shows houses have been the winners, not just for the short term, but clearly over the long term. And has there been a moment where those two positions at any stage have switched around? Yeah, it's a very interesting question. So there was moments and the two moments that come up were in the pandemic period where the unit prices and the house prices as fundamentals shifted, that gap closed up a little bit. But the main period that I would say that you could see a clear difference was going back between 2002 to 2012. During that 10-year period, units in Sydney actually outperformed houses, which is interesting. Just at a macro level, they outperformed by 5% over that same timeline, which is not a huge amount of outperformance because overall growth in Sydney was weak for both houses and units, but it's just that slight bit weaker for houses during that time period. And uh, growth is one reason, in your opinion, of why Sydney investors should really stick with houses. But are there any differences in rental outcomes for investors between the two? There is. And this is where many investors consider units as their preferred option when investing in Sydney because the typical thing they're looking for going into units is better rental yields. And currently rental yields in units in Sydney hover around that 4% or 4.1 depending on which area. Uh, Some in the threes, but that sort of midpoint is four. And then for houses, they're pretty weak and they're about 2.8% and some even lower. So that rental variance is what attracts many people to units, but this is where many people make a common mistake. Units need to be considered with net yields because they do carry expenses that are pretty large in nature, body corporate, strata, and so forth. And the other thing as well is that in units, we do tend to see that there can be huge shifts in vacancy rates with a lot of investors owning them. So as a result, you might think the yields are good, but they might not see the growth due to higher vacancy rates in certain areas. We connect you to the best real estate information across Australia. The Real Estate Podcast.